G'day, my name's Gianni and I'm the executive producer of Sifter. This is Lightmap, Sifter's interview podcast, and on each and every episode, we speak to creative teams who work in video games and interactive media. We find out what it takes to create. Sometimes the hardest thing about creating is actually finding the resources to do so. When I first started reporting on the Australian games industry in 2016, if you've listened to any of our previous episodes, you might have heard this as well. Developers would tell me that it was a bit of a disappointment that Australia didn't have any federal government funding for games. Well, there was a very exciting announcement on Friday after years and years of no direct, it seemed, federal government engagement with the local game development scene. There was a small breakthrough. Screen Australia and Arts Minister Paul Fletcher announced a brand new $6 million fund to support video games directly over the next two years. On this episode, we've spoken to developers about the impact of the original Australian Interactive Games Fund, which was cancelled by this federal government in 2014, what the peak body IGEA has to say of how we got to this point, and the head of online that is running the program at Screen Australia breaks down how it's all going to work. Plus, we'll find out what developers think about the prospects of this future investment, as well as another tax offset scheme called the Digital Games Tax Offset, which is yet to go through Parliament, but is promised to go through soon. So... Let's jump in. Hi, I'm Fiona Bartholomew. And I'm Kyle Paletto. And here are the top stories this week on Walkthrough, Sifter's weekly news podcast for Sunday, 10th of March. We have the highlights from this week's Xbox Partner Preview. Roguelike deck builder Bellatro pulled from stores due to misunderstanding about its gambling content. A 2.4 million US dollar settlement has killed the two biggest Switch and 3DS emulators. And this year's BAFTA award nominations are here. You can get every episode of Walkthrough for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or on our website, sifter.com.au, every Sunday. Articles to read, videos to watch, and podcasts to listen to. Sifter.com.au. In the seven years that I've been doing this podcast, I've spoken to many developers, and they've told me that a lot of them were really disappointed that funding opportunities in Australia had dried up. That has changed a little bit. There's been a lot more investment in the local industry in the last six to 12 months, even 18 months or so. But over that time, uh, there was a a disappointment that there wasn't any federal government support. Film Victoria, or Vic Screen as it's called now, has for many years uh, supported its local industry. But if you're in a state that didn't have a strong investment from your state film agency or state screen agency, then you were kind of out of luck. Well, there was a fund in place at one point. It was called the Australian Interactive Games Fund. And it was a $20 million fund budgeted for that uh, that would distribute funding, production and development funding to game developers. In its first year, it distributed around $4 million uh, with a mix of game development and production funding for an industry building capacity as well. for Things like Global Game Jam, for the arcade co-working space and the GCAP conference. Well, Paul Turbot of Black Lab Games was one of the recipients of this initial funding for Starhammer the Vanguard Prophecy. It was a tactical space game and it made a big difference to that company bringing it to where it is today where they've just recently finished Warhammer 40k Battle Sector and Battlestar Galactica Deadlock. Let's hear what Paul had to say. Uh, I've actually said this many times um, that is the catalyst for where we are now. If we hadn't got that, um, Black Lab would probably still be a hobby of mine 
working, which I did on the on the weekends while I worked somewhere else. Um, that 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 small amount of funding um, was what allowed me to take this to a full time job to get Anthony and others involved to get the publishing contract, which led to Battlestar, which led to Warhammer. So there's a very there's a, a linear direct line from that small amount of funding to where we are now. Yeah. It absolutely made a difference. The Australian Interactive Games Fund was cancelled in 2014 with money still left to spend. It was cancelled when the current federal government came to power. And as I mentioned, some states like Victoria have invested millions and millions of dollars in their local industry. But in that time, there's been no direct funding for games from the lead screen agency in the country. But on Friday, Federal Arts Minister Paul Fletcher announced a new fund for developing the games industry. It's called the Games Expansion Pack. It's a two-year funding program of $6 million, supporting projects up to $500,000 in value with direct grant funding, and it's aimed at the emerging sector. It's coupled with the Digital Games Tax Offset, a 30% refundable tax refund for projects over $500,000, aimed at those big international studios and more established players in the field. Ron Curry is the CEO of IGEA, the peak body of game development in Australia, and he said it's an exciting time. Yeah, look, we're really excited about the announcement today. And, you know, probably for the last, as you said, seven to eight years, we haven't had a, a, a games fund for for, game, for for any game developers at the Commonwealth level. It was the, the interactive games fund that we did have was squashed by the current government pretty much as they came into power. So we've been working since then with the government um, around getting appropriate funding for the video game industry. And we know about nine months ago they introduced the digital games tax offset, uh, which um, applies to games that um, cost over $500,000 to make. And we were very thankful for that. And it's going to do great things for the industry and it's going to attract large businesses and, and it'll be a very solid part of the ecosystem. But what we didn't see was support for the independent game developers, people who are creating games and spending less than that half a million dollars. And we know they're the engine room. You know, that's, there's so much creativity happens there. It's, it's where the training happens. It's where we get some really amazing product. So we've been working with the government, again, like I said, for about seven years, saying we need a full ecosystem supported. We just can't do one side or the other. So we're very excited. You know, we started having these really in-depth conversations with the government probably over the last few weeks and months, bringing this to the point where the announcement was made today. Um, it's a lot less than we saw seven years ago, but it's a start. It's an acknowledgement that the government see the importance of the industry, um, and it's the start we need to prove that this will work and increase funding will work as an accelerator um, going forward. Ron, I'm wondering what's changed in the time uh, you've been working on this, because I know you've been working on it for a number of years, doing many different appeals to ministers, to Senate committees, all sorts of things in the time since that fund was cancelled. What's changed? What is it now that's made the difference? I don't think there's one thing. It's, it's, the, it's a continual story. It's, it's us going to the government over and over again. Um, you know, the, the value of the industry, when you go to the government and you say, you know, this industry is worth $250 billion. It's bigger than screen. It's bigger than music, who you support all the time. It's, it creates jobs. It's great for the economy. And it's export-focused. You know, we, we know that most, you know, if you make a game in Australia, you're not making it just for Australia, you're making it for the globe. 
Um, and the other things are important to the government. You know, it's the economy, it's jobs, it's export. And they're the narratives we've been taking to the government. And we can talk about culture, we can talk about creativity, and they're fantastic, and we should be talking about that. But we also need to talk about dollars and cents. And what value do the Australian taxpayers get by giving video game companies money? We have to deliver for the taxpayer. And I think what we've done is we've, um, we've prosecuted that argument really well with the government. It's taken them a while. They're looking around the world and going, well, why are there 17,000 game developers in Canada and 1,200 in Australia? Why have they got $3 billion contributing to GDP and we can't hit 2 million, 200 million here? They're the sort of um, conversations we've been having over the years. It takes time. You, there's a lot of people you need to convince. It's, you know, we take the argument to the trade, we take it to treasury, take it to communications, into arts, the Austrade. There's a whole lot of government touch points you need to all come together um, for, the, I guess, the light bulb to go on collectively. How does it all work? Well, Lee Namo is the head of online at Screen Australia, and he said a bit of extra money from the federal government meant that after many years, this funding could get back off the ground. So obviously the DGTO, the Digital Games Tax Offset, is incoming, uh, intended to open up later this year uh, for games with a threshold of, a budget threshold of 500000 and above. There is clearly a gap there for games with a budget of below $500,000, so um for a number of different reasons, we looked at that gap and what support Screen Australia could offer and thought it was an opportune time to get back into games funding uh, for, for projects with a budget of 500000 and below. So, you know, those smaller to medium independent studios that um, aren't able to access that support, we wanted to make sure there was support across the whole range of, uh, you know, budgets for games. Um, which is vital, right? Like you look at, you know, the, the latest success story out of Australia unpacking and, and you know, that's making waves internationally. So we wanted to be there to support those kind of games. And the timing was right. Uh, it's not no secret that we've been given some new money from the federal government for this financial year and next. So some of that money has been allocated to games, which is really exciting. It's interesting that you mentioned unpacking because... Uh... Witchbeam was one of the original recipients of the Australian Interactive Games Fund back in the day for their first game, Assault Android Cactus. And I'm just wondering, you know, with every funding uh, or grant or investment or anything, I know that screen agencies go and have a look at the impact of what that funding has done. Do you have an idea of, of the studios and the uh, the games companies that were originally funded by the, the old scheme um, and what sort of impact that had when, when it was around? Yeah, to a degree. I mean, things moved pretty quickly, and that was 2014. I think we we're just chatting about off air that it was that funding was ended. So that's eight years ago now. Um, but look, you, you look at the games industry in Australia and how healthy it is. We we want to be part of that, and um, you know, jumping on board to help. I've been working with Tim Phillips, who was uh, one of the investment managers back when we had that original games funding. Uh, so he's come on board as a consultant to help. So he's got that historical knowledge about the impact. Um, and yeah, hopefully we can have a, a kind of similar impact. It is slightly different. That previous funding was both production or games development funding and enterprise. And we've kind of put them into one in this new uh, expansion pack fund. So you can apply for a single game or multiple games uh, in the one application. So it could be, you know, you might be working on one game or you could have a whole slate of them that could be eligible for this funding to kind of give your studio, your company that boost. 
Can you give me a bit of an idea of um, how the process would kind of work for people if they've never sort of been part of the funding process? Maybe they're in a state, um, they're not in Victoria, for example, or Queensland, where there's quite significant state government support for, for games development. Um, what does it look like for a developer who wants to come in and, and get a bit of money to, to get off the ground? Absolutely. Well, initially this financial year, there's a round that's open right now. Um, it's going to close on the 28th of April. So don't worry if you can't meet that deadline. The fund is going to reopen later this calendar year. And that's when we're going to kind of in between, we're going to take on consultation and potentially relook at some of the things that are working and maybe some things that we can improve. So it's not a, this is the only opportunity. It is going to come back. But for this initial round, uh, it's an application-based process, as you said, as any kind of funding from a government body is. Um, you apply with um, ideally a playable demo or if not a kind of trailer that we can view of where your game is. Because this is funding to get your game you know, out to market, we want to see games that are in a reasonably developed state. Um, a few other bits and pieces like a marketing and release plan. Uh, there's a budget plan, which we provide a template for. And crucially, a video pitch, which uh, I, I really want to emphasize that that's your chance to give us the passion and the excitement and the reason you know, that this game is, is something that you really want to make and it's getting you out of bed in the morning. Um, from there, we'll assess those applications, myself, uh, other members of Screen Australia and an external panel as well, and make some decisions. And then we go into contracting. I mean, I don't know how much detail you want, but, you know, the, you know, uh, we, we look at different um, drawdowns or payment milestones, um, but basically we want to be there to, you know, get your game to that finish line and get it out to market so it's, you know, released and, uh, and making an impact. John Daskalopoulos is the CEO of Not Doppler, a company that's been around since John founded it when he was 14 back in high school. They originally made Flash games uh, and it had a portal for people to play games online, but they've moved into the mobile gaming space and John and his team were part of the announcement with the minister. Their title, Crash of Cars, has been a development success on mobile and John said while they still had revenue coming in and they could afford to do it, they had to save up to hire staff and have some extra money in the bank just in case it didn't go well and government funding would have made a big difference for them being able to move quicker on opportunities. I think if the last couple of years of COVID has taught us anything, there's definitely a huge appetite for uh, games. We saw audiences expand a lot during the lockdowns, uh, not just for us as a smaller company, but just across the board. Uh, nearly every games company saw the impact uh, in terms of their audience sizes during the lockdowns. Um, and I think now it's maybe triggered something in governments and in terms of uh, private investments to really accelerate uh, the amount of support they're offering. And it's just an exciting part to be part of the games industry. It's always, um, there's always change in the games industry, which keeps it fresh and exciting, but I just, things are accelerating like crazy right now. And uh, we're very fortunate that the government is uh, happy to support that as well. We would be more so eligible for the DGTO uh, if that passes. Uh, so the DGTO is targeted at games with budgets of greater than 500k. So back in the day when we developed Crash of Cars, that budget was about, or was pre-500k. Uh, today we're working on two new games that are, the combined budget is about 10 times higher than Crash of Cars. So it means we're not eligible for this new program, uh, but we are, we would be eligible for the DGTO. For us, it's really just an extra security net. So we're still profitable as a company, um, but we are taking quite big risks with our new projects. Uh, in terms of the budget, they are a lot higher than our previous titles. Um, and that brings some risk to us as a company. So firstly, it's a bit of a safety net. It, it allows us to um, firstly take on these more ambitious projects. But secondly, it will also benefit us in terms of 
uh, further scaling our team size as well. Uh, just basically access to the extra funds that we can then use to reinvest in further hires, especially some niche roles that are really hard to hire for locally. Uh, it just gives us the extra cash to be able to do that. Here's Ron Curry from Igea again. Their next priority is to get the digital camps tax offset off the ground and continue to develop this direct funding scheme into the future. The, our next, our immediate project is get the, getting the DGTO over the line. So we're looking forward to getting uh, an exposure draft this month sometime uh, for co- consultation. Um, and then, you know, once um, this funding from Screen Australia is bedded down a little bit, just going back to the government having a talk about, you know, should this be a $6 million fund or should it be a $40 million fund as it used to be? And that's the sort of argument we're going to prosecute. You know, there's a lot of potential here. Um, this is great that we've got something now, but how do we really ramp it up? You know, how do we how do we make it fit for purpose and become absolutely competitive on the global stage? And and we'll just keep hammering away at that argument. Lee Namo from Screen Australia is also pretty excited about the future. Yeah, I, I think it's exciting to see us, as I said, making waves internationally. I mean, I know it's a few years old now. I know it's a classic title, but my son and I are just in love with uh, Untitled Goose Game, for example, and that's still something that like. We must have finished it. He's four years old, by the way. But we must have finished it like literally 20 times and it's still something that we go back to. So I guess we're looking, f- ideally it'd be great to support that kind of game where there's, you know, uh, a long impact, something that can can uh, make that impact internationally. But I think it's really healthy. I think it's, you know, I've been doing a lot of research into games and obviously I'm a gamer myself and embedded in the industry, but doing a lot of reading lately about how we feel like we're on the cusp of, you know, really breaking through internationally. So would hope that this support and the, the DGTO can push that along and accelerate that. Um, you know, the idea of opening this fund for a limited amount of time was that extra money that I mentioned earlier was granted to Screen Australia for two financial years. But we do have a long-term plan with this fund, with our support for games. It'd be great to be able to build a whole infrastructure for game support the way there is for, you know, screen content. Um, my department is online. We fund a lot of web series, a lot of online content. But then, you know, that Screen Australia support runs the gamut to TV and features and festival and marketing and travel support. So, you know, maybe it's a bit of a pipe dream, but imagine if there was a kind of similar structure for games funding where there's the offset, there's a whole suite of different production. Now I'm probably going to get in trouble for saying that kind of stuff because that's maybe a little ways off. But I, I think they have incredibly valid it's incredibly valid screen content and it's it's a screen content that has been unfortunately ignored by a lot of the uh, funding bodies. would love to change that. The Games Expansion Pack is now open for the first round of applications and we've linked the application page in our show notes as well as a video Q&A if you're keen to learn more. Sifter is produced by Nicholas Kennedy, Kyle Paletto, Fiano Bartholomeus, Daniel Ang and Adam Christou. Mitch Lowe is our senior producer and my name is Gianni Giovanni. I'm the executive producer. Thanks to Omni Studio for their support of Sifter. You can find every episode of Lightmap in your podcast player for free. We'll bring you insightful conversations each episode with game developers and creatives working in interactive media. We've got two other podcasts in the network, Mainstream, which is our review show where the Sifter team sits down and discusses the biggest and best new video games and give you analysis of what works, uh, what didn't, And ultimately, if we had fun, we also have a lot of guests on that show as well. So if you're interested to other perspectives, that's the place to go. We also, each week on a Sunday, release Walkthrough. It's Sifter's weekly gaming news show, and it wraps and explains the news for you so you can keep up to date. 
You can head to our website, sifter.com.au, for links to all of our podcasts, to read articles, to watch our gameplay videos, and more. So that's sifter.com.au. And if you want to support independent gaming journalism in Australia, why not head to the Sifter store? And you can pick up an Australian-designed, video game-inspired shirt with unique designs you're going to love. That's sifter.store. And if you head to our website, you can go to sifter.com.au and click Merch up the top. That's all for this episode of Lightmap. Until next time, have fun. Hi, Chris Button here from Drop Rate, Sifter's video game review podcast. Final Fantasy VII Rebirth is finally here. Continuing the ambitious reimagining of a beloved classic. It's very, very funny. I guess like that's that's part of the silliness, you know, like you have this these really big world ending stakes, you know, Sephiroth is a really terrifying villain, you know, the world's ending. And I think to have a game that is still fun and pleasant to play, I think maybe the tone is kind of, it's important to strike both tones because you need that levity so that it's not constantly depressing, you know. And I think so having the characters have that humour and like having the mini games and having it be a little bit lighter hearted, I think does give you that hope. Does it uphold the legacy of the famous original or burn Midgar to ashes to forge its own path? Find out on Drop Rate, available now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts.